Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode we'll work through the NFL Week 5 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. There's been a lot of noise with uncertainty across the league for much of this week, and that's understandable. We've seen six games off the board over the course of the week, and that includes three of them still off the board as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. That's due to some positive tests, some big injury news, and that's not including Monday Night Football, which has stayed on the board, but there was talk earlier in the week of relocating the game due to Hurricane Delta. So yeah, it's a messy situation, but we're all swimming in the same sea of uncertainty, and we should probably get used to it. We've got scheduled buys the next seven weeks and eight of the next nine, and there are probably going to be more unscheduled changes as well. So we've got fewer games plus the current climate. That adds up to a lot of ambiguity, but it could also mean opportunity. It's ambiguous for all of us, and we don't have to be 100% right when we're guessing here. We just have to be a smidge better than the market that's also guessing. So to get a leg up on the competition, let's turn to some trusted sources. I've spent almost nine hours this week listening to the most prominent bettors across the best NFL betting podcasts, and I'll distill that down to about a 25-minute package of the most actionable takeaways. That includes six bets, including the teaser, prop, and point spread markets. So let's dive in and run through the Week 5 board, kicking it off with Carolina at Atlanta. Current line has the Falcons favored by 1.5, total 53.5, and and on the Dream Preview, Steve Fezzik's best bet is on the Panthers. He says they're meshing well a few games into the season, after a lot of turnover in the offseason across both their roster and their coaching staff, and he's also fading Atlanta in this spot. Matt Holt pushed back here, saying the 2.5 point adjustment from the look-ahead line closing at minus 4 is a bit too much for his liking. Matt Holt and RJ pushed the green button, taking Atlanta going head-to-head with Fezzik. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik and Ross Tucker were both on Carolina plus three. That's a really good number they got earlier this week. And Fezzik added to his dream preview handicap, saying he has the Panthers and Falcons about equal in his power ratings and home field advantage nowhere close to three points this season. Ross added the Falcons secondary is really beat up and Julio Jones is hurt yet again. Plus, it's a short week for the Falcons. On the Sharp Angles podcast, T.A. is also on the Panthers. He says Teddy Bridgewater is running the offense well, and Mike Davis is filling in very well for Christian McCaffrey, noting pro football focus gives Mike Davis the number one elusive rating and the number two spot in yards after contact. He also notes it's a step down in class for the Panthers, taking on a decimated Falcons secondary on a short week. That could mean Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore due for big performances. And I really like the handicaps on Carolina. Very unlikely plus three reappears, but the theme of the week, Panthers give us a good teaser candidate in this game. The high total here reduces the relative value of each point we get, But with the Falcons' injury situation and the way they've played this season, I see minimal blowout potential from the Falcons. Next up, Las Vegas at Kansas City. Chiefs laying 11 points, total 55.5. And And on the Dream Preview, Fezzik and Holt were both on the Raiders at plus 12.5. The lines moved in their favor since they recorded this one, and at the time they recorded, the game was off the board because Stephon Gilmore had tested positive after the Patriots played the Chiefs on Monday night. With this game back on the board now, the handicap for Fezzik and Holt is Kansas City's got a short week, and they're very good, but they're overrated. RJ pushed back here, and he said exactly what I was thinking at the time. The Chiefs are 12-1 and their last 13 games against the spread, so if anything, that suggests they're still underrated by the market. 
Fezzik added to his handicap. The Raiders had some fumbles last week that led to a misleading final score. They went toe-to-toe, playing pretty evenly with Buffalo. And he also noted Derek Carr said he's sick of losing after the game, and Fezzik likes that as a good motivation spot for the Raiders. I have a hard time putting any stock in that narrative. Patrick Mahomes certainly isn't sick of winning, and I expect him to be just as motivated come Sunday. Matt Holt added he sees this as a free roll on the Raiders, noting Mahomes might test positive, the Chiefs might have to play without him, and I think it's fair to look for a free roll wherever you can find one, but it's difficult to imagine a scenario in which Mahomes tests positive and this game goes off as scheduled on Sunday. On the Even Money podcast, Ross joined Fezzik in playing the Raiders plus 12.5. Fezzik gave a similar handicap to the Dream Preview. And on the Deep Dive podcast, Drew and Andy both on the under 56.5. That line has since moved a little bit in their favor. And they see the Chiefs getting pressure up the middle on Derek Carr with Chris Jones likely back in action. And when the Chiefs are on offense, look for bland play calling with Kansas City holding back for some closer games, looking to shorten this one with Buffalo on deck possibly as soon as Thursday night. Next game in the rotation, Denver at New England. This one's off the board. It's been postponed to Monday. On the deep dive, Andy said he projects the line to be Patriots by 11 if Cam Newton's able to play, or Patriots by 6-7 to if Jarrett Stidham's under center. Up next, Rams at Washington. Rams currently laying a touchdown with some extra vig, or 7.5 with reduced vig, total of 47, and we heard some dissent on both the side and total. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt's best bet was Washington plus 7. He sees this as a rough spot for the Rams, their third game on the East Coast in four weeks. Meanwhile, Washington's defense likely gets Chase Young back, and on offense, he expects them to be galvanized with the quarterback change to Kyle Allen. RJ countered here, calling out the look-ahead line closed Rams minus 9.5, so we've seen a 2.5 point adjustment. That's just like the 2.5 point adjustment we saw with Carolina-Atlanta where Holt pushed back. And if you think the adjustment's correct, then you've either got to think Kyle Allen's a clear upgrade over Dwayne Haskins, or the rest of the team plays better because of the quarterback change. Holt is in on the latter narrative. On the deep dive, Drew liked the Rams minus 7 at minus 115, so he is on the other end of this one. He sees the Washington quarterback change from Haskins to Allen as a downgrade, and that's enough to overcome some concerns with the Rams. Drew's not oblivious to the fact this is their third East Coast game in four weeks, nor is he oblivious to the fact the Rams put up a poor offensive showing against the lowly Giants at home last week. Drew and his co-host Andy think the Rams will be just fine in this one, though. Andy also mentions the Rams is a good teaser leg. I agree, that's my angle for this one. Drew and Andy won more angle for this game. They like the Rams team total over 26 and a half. Looking at the full game total, on the Dream Preview, Dave Esler's best bet was under 45.5, so this line's moved against him a little bit. He sees Washington's defense as underrated, and the Rams representing a step down in class. The Rams only put up 4.2 yards per play last week hosting the Giants. They get a tougher opponent in Washington this week, plus that bad travel spot. When Washington has the ball, Dave isn't high on Kyle Allen at quarterback. On the simple handicap, Adams on the other side, he likes over 47, and he notes both defenses' stats have been inflated by easy opposition so far this season. The Rams have faced the 6th easiest slate of opposing offenses, Washington the 8th easiest. Looking at opposing quarterbacks, Washington has faced the 2nd easiest, Rams 8th easiest. And when it comes to opponents' rush offenses, the Rams have had the easiest go of it in the league so far this season. Adam also notes when Washington has the ball, it's hard to see Kyle Allen as a downgrade at quarterback given how bad Haskins has been, and the Rams have cluster injuries at linebacker. That gives an edge to the Washington run game. Meanwhile, Washington's running its offense at the seventh quickest pace in the NFL, and they play even faster when coming from behind. And when the Rams have the ball, Adam sees their passing game in a very advantageous spot against a porous Washington secondary.
Next game on the board, Jacksonville at Houston, Texans laying 5.5, total 54.5, and we had some crossfire in this game on the Matchbook podcast. Drew had a strong lean to Jacksonville on the money line. He says Houston firing Bill O'Brien is addition by subtraction, but it might take the Texans some time to turn it around. Meanwhile, he sees Jacksonville as the much better offense in this game, with Deshaun Watson regressing without DeAndre Hopkins as a target. Adam also weighed in here, noting that backing a team the game after firing its head coach is historically a very popular trend, but it might not be the way to go here. Romeo Cornell, promoted from defensive coordinator to interim head coach, he's not well suited to fix the offense, and he hasn't exactly been taking care of his defense either. Houston coming into this one last in the league and expected points added per play. That's not enough to get Adam in play on Jacksonville, though. He's concerned about some injuries on the defense, notably cornerback DJ Hayden on injured reserve, and cornerback CJ Henderson and linebacker Miles Jack likely limited if they're able to go on Sunday. So Drew strong lean on Jacksonville money line. Adam seems to be leaning that way as well, but Suma said he's on the Texans. He knows the offense is struggling, but he says Jacksonville has by far the worst defense in the league right now. Suma notes Jacksonville's defense last by a wide margin against the pass, looking at DVOA as well as EPA per dropback. Meanwhile, Suma also notes the Texans' defense has been bad against the run, but it's relatively respectable against the pass given their brutal early season schedule, and if the Texans get a lead in this one, they can make Jacksonville one-dimensional and keep Gardner Minshew in check. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt and RJ both on Jacksonville plus six. They got a good number there, and it's RJ's best bet. RJ says Bill O'Brien was a bad general manager, but he wasn't a bad head coach, so this could be a net negative for Houston. Fezzik agrees. He thinks Romeo Cornell is not a good replacement for O'Brien, and Matt Holt added on to that same trend Adam mentioned about a team that just fired its head coach. That team, usually not a big favorite like Houston is in this spot, so proceed with caution if you're going to buy into that narrative. Next game in the rotation, Buffalo at Tennessee. This one's off the board right now. It's been postponed to Tuesday, so long as we don't get any more positive tests from the Titans between now and kickoff. Next up, another game that's off the board right now, Arizona at the Jets. The Jets had a positive test come through Friday morning, so the following analysis is dependent on the ability to get this game in on Sunday. With the line reopening without any major changes to what we had been seeing, Arizona minus 7.5, total of 47. On the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, Drew said he's on Arizona. He likes this mainly as a fade of Joe Flacco and the Jets in their current form. He really doesn't like the Jets' offensive line, nor their skill positions, and Flacco, not a mobile quarterback, could have a hard time getting anything going. Arizona's defense, meanwhile, getting a little healthier, and on offense, this is the ideal matchup for the Cardinals to get right. On the deep dive, Andy pushed back just a little bit. He's not betting the Jets, but he said the Cardinals are regressing from last year, both on defense with the unit struggling as a whole, and on offense with the line still being a liability, and Kyler Murray making some poor decisions. So I'm not eager to get in play here, laying more than a touchdown, but the number makes Arizona a teaser fit if we get the opportunity. Up next, Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. This one's actually on the board. Steelers laying seven with some extra vig, total of 44 and a half, and we heard some consensus on the side, but dissent on the total. On the dream preview, Fezzik's on Pittsburgh and the under. With regard to the side, he likes the Steelers being off their bye, and he sees the Eagles as being in a letdown spot after a much-needed primetime win over San Francisco. I don't buy the letdown narrative, but I do see the short week, and this being the second straight road game for the Eagles, as a disadvantage. With regard to the total, Fezzik said points should be at a premium when the Eagles have the ball. Football Outsiders ranks their offense 31st in the league, and Pittsburgh has an elite defense. And on the other side of the ball, Pittsburgh's been about average on offense, with the Eagles being about average on defense. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik was also on the under. The total was 45 when they recorded that show. He gave a similar handicap. 
On the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, Drew was on the other side with the total, over 44. He mentions the Eagles' injuries on defense and the Steelers' weapons on offense to exploit them, but on the Matchbook podcast, he also said the Steelers have an incredible pass rush going into a weak Eagles offensive line, plus Carson Wentz has limited options in terms of his pass catchers, so that point sounded to me like a case for the under. Suma used a similar angle as a counterpoint when he mentioned the under on the Matchbook podcast, so not too sure what to make of Drew's handicap there. But on the deep dive, his co-host Andy on the Steelers, just like Fezzik. Andy mentioned the matchup, Pittsburgh pass rush, pressuring Carson Wentz into mistakes, possibly some turnovers. And he also had a similar handicap to Fezzik without the letdown narrative, the Steelers at home off their bye against the Eagles coming in on a short week off Sunday Night Football, with this being their second straight road game. Up next, Cincinnati at Baltimore. This game was off the board for a bit, but it's back up at a lot of books. Lamar Jackson didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday due to a knee injury, but it sounds like he's good to go. Ravens favored by 13, total 51. On the Dream Preview, Fezzik said he likes the Bengals here, seeing their offense is undervalued, Joe Burrow improving his rapport with wide receivers other than A.J. Green, and that's making the Bengals' offense less predictable. Matt Hull also likes the Bengals. He sees this as a free roll on Lamar Jackson being limited with his running because of that knee injury. And RJ said he likes the over. He mentioned a trend about the stage of the season we're in and the team's travel situations. I appreciate all the research he did, but the trend seemed pretty convoluted to me. I think it might be more noise than signal. On the deep dive, Andy said he's on the under as well as the Cincinnati team total under. With regard to the full game total, Andy thinks Baltimore builds a lead, then plays it slow, and uses vanilla play calling. They have a rematch with the Bengals later this season and don't want to put too much on film. Meanwhile, with the Bengals team total, he thinks Baltimore's aggressive defense will fluster the rookie quarterback. Up next, moving on to the late window, Miami at San Francisco. This game was also off the board for a good chunk of the week, but it's back up with Jimmy G practicing Wednesday and Thursday, looking like a go to return to action for the 49ers. San Francisco laying nine, total 51 and a half. And on the deep dive, Andy said San Francisco looks like a good teaser leg if we see eight and a half. Drew likes that too, as do I if we see that number, but I'm not so sure we do. Up next, Giants at Dallas. Cowboys favored by 8, total 54. And on the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, Drew said he's on Dallas at 9.5. The line has since moved based on the news that Dallas All-Pro left tackle Tyron Smith is out for the season. But based on the corresponding market move, I doubt anybody who is on the Cowboys laying 9.5 is swayed off that opinion with the line down to 8. Drew sees the Giants' defense as ill-equipped to take advantage of a beat-up Cowboys offensive line, and he also thinks they'll have a really hard time slowing down the Cowboys' dynamic wide receivers. On the deep dive, Andy said he's also on Dallas. He thinks the Giants' offense lacks the players to score on the Cowboys, like we've seen the last three weeks from the Browns, Seahawks, and Falcons. Meanwhile, on the Dream Preview podcast, Matt Holt also on Dallas. He had a similar handicap to the deep dive, thinks the Dallas offense finally scores as many points as its yards per play suggests they should. Plus, the Dallas defensive weakness, not something the Giants are well-equipped to take advantage of. Now that this line's in teaser territory, I'll be getting a play on the Cowboys from a different angle, and if we include two failed fake punts against Atlanta a couple weeks ago, the last three weeks the Cowboys are minus 10 in turnover differential, that begs for positive regression. Up next, Indianapolis at Cleveland. This game's currently anywhere from Pickham to Colts minus one and a half. 
total 47 and a half. And this has been interesting. The line opened at Pickham. It got as high as Colts minus three. We've seen support for both sides in the marketplace. And on the Matchbook podcast, there was some good crossfire. Drew's on the Colts. He says they have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the league. That neutralizes the Cleveland pass rush, and the Browns' defense is weak beyond that. Drew also notes the Colts are due for some positive regression with regard to their red zone efficiency, and if the Colts are leading late, they have a favorable matchup to put it away with their ground game. Suma, on the other hand, likes the Browns on the money line. He says it's Cleveland who has the best offensive line in the league, noting the Browns have the best run block win rate by a wide margin, and they're also ranked second in pass block win rate. Suma also says the Colts' defense, not as good as the stats suggest. They've faced some pretty weak opposition so far, and this marks a big step up in class. Adam also looks toward the Browns. He likes Cleveland as a teaser leg. He released the Browns plus 2.5 as a look-ahead pick via his text message service last week, and I had a good text exchange with him on Saturday about the Browns' teaser potential in this spot. Adam says the line implies Cleveland's not much better than Chicago after the Colts closed minus 3 at Chicago last week, but the Browns are a lot better than the Bears in his eyes. Adam also notes the Colts' defense parallels to the Patriots' historic stats through the first half of last season, mainly due to a magic carpet ride of easy opposition. Adam sees the Colts' back seven as being hampered in this one. No Malik Hooker, cluster injuries at linebacker could be a big absence for the Colts if linebacker Darius Leonard is unable to go. And when the Colts have the ball on offense, they have the best average starting field position in the NFL, yet they're ranked just 24th in points per drive. Adam connects that to their play calling to run heavy on early downs, and he says while the offensive line has a great reputation, they're just 27th so far this season in adjusted line yards. That suggests poor run blocking, and it might not be any better in this one, with left tackle Anthony Costanzo likely out. The Colts also have cluster injuries at wide receiver with no Paris Campbell and no Michael Pittman. On the Even Money podcast, Fezzik and Ross both took Cleveland plus three. That was a great number. The plus three did not last long. Fezzik also on the under. In terms of the side, Fezzik brought up a similar point to Adam. The plus three implied too narrow a gap between the Browns and the Bears. And with the total, Fezzik said the Colts defense might be the best in the league. The offense just average. He expects a 20 to 17 type of game. On the Dream Preview, Fezzik was still on the Browns, even though the line had come down to one and a half. He added Kevin Stefanski's play calling has been really creative to stay run-heavy and also involve Odell Beckham Jr. And also on the Dream Preview, the Hitman's best bet under 47, he likes it down to 45. He says the stats are inflated for the Colts' defense thanks to weak opposition, and the Colts' offense is limited by Rivers' declining arm strength and cluster injuries at the skill positions. Meanwhile, when Cleveland has the ball, the Browns have been hiding Baker Mayfield's limitations by running on bad defenses. The Hitman sees this as two run-first teams with two game managers at quarterback. To him, that adds up to the under 47. On the Sharp Angles podcast, TA was also on the Browns at plus one and a half, noting the Colts' defense has been propped up by weak opposition so far this season, and now it's dealing with cluster injuries at linebacker. Meanwhile, with the Browns, TA also likes Stefanski's creative play calling, specifically the play action, bootlegs, and trick plays juxtaposed against the Colts' basic play calling so far this season could be advantage Browns. I will add the Browns were plus three in turnovers last week, and that makes them plus eight in turnovers over the last two games. That's led to some very favorable final scores, so I'm not sure they'll win this one outright, but I love putting the math to work and crossing up through 3-7 and in a teaser.
Moving on to Sunday Night Football, Minnesota at Seattle. Seahawks laying a touchdown at reduced VIG, total of 57, and we heard some dissenting opinions on the side. On the Matchbook podcast, Drew's best bet was the Seahawks minus the 7. He says Minnesota's offense is too run-heavy on early downs, kind of like Seattle's offense prior to this season. And Seattle's defense isn't good, but Minnesota lacks the scheme to fully exploit it. Suma supported that notion, weighing in by saying the Vikings have the two best wide receivers in the league this season, according to Pro Football Focus, yet the Vikings Vikings have the most run-heavy offense on first down. On the other side of the ball with Drew's handicap, Seattle's offense is at another level right now. Russell Wilson's in MVP form, and Seattle's giving him more control over the offense this season. Eventually, Drew thinks the Vikings won't be able to match the Seahawks score for score. On the deep dive, Andy agreed with Drew. He's also on the Seahawks minus 7. He says that even though home field advantage is diminished this season, it's still worth something, and this line reflects virtually zero home field advantage from his point of view. On the Dream Preview, RJ's going the other way. He's on Minnesota plus 7. He says Seattle's been lucky this season, and they're football sexy with a great offense, but an awful defense. RJ also calls out Seattle's offense due for red zone regression, and that's in line with Drew's rationale last week, looking toward Miami against Seattle on the deep dive. On the Sharp Angles podcast, TA is also on the Vikings. He was alarmed by the Seahawks allowing the Dolphins a season-high 6.1 yards per play last week. That's more than Miami got against Jacksonville, but the Dolphins had to settle for five field goals, masking some vulnerabilities for the Seahawks. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins has the highest percentage of deep passes of any quarterback in the NFL, and with Justin Jefferson breaking through, that could be a big factor come Sunday night. Lastly, on the Even Money podcast, Ross Tucker said he's going to tease the Seahawks down to minus one and pair them with the Saints at minus two on Monday Night Football. Speaking of Monday Night Football, Chargers at New Orleans, Saints currently laying eight, total 50 and a half. There was some talk midweek about relocating this game to Indianapolis due to Hurricane Delta, but it's looking good now to stay in New Orleans. On the Dream Preview, Matt Holt was on the Chargers plus seven and a half. He says it boils down to the Chargers offense being much more dynamic with Justin Herbert at quarterback. Fezzik added that Hurricane Delta can only be a negative for the Saints as it disrupted their practice week, and I agree with those points, but I found it curious there was no mention of Michael Thomas for the Saints. He's returned to practice, and it looks like he'll go on this one. And for the Chargers, even more injuries. They lost Austin Eckler, plus Thursday's list of players who didn't practice includes Joey Bosa, multiple offensive linemen, and wide receiver Mike Williams. Overall, I am hoping to have a ticket in pocket that has the Chargers plus the points, but that would be as a middle for a teaser involving the Saints. I'll break down that among other bets soon, but first, now that we've made it through the Week 5 board, it's time for a beer break. Let's check out what we're drinking. And this week, we've got a treat for your palate as well as your eyes if you ever played Street Fighter. This week's beer, Water Balloon Street Fighter. It's a triple dry hop double IPA by Monkish Brewing Company in Torrance, California, and it weighs in at 8.4% ABV. It's a heavy hitter, hoppy as can be, executed flawlessly. When it comes to the appearance, it all starts with the can art. It's an epic nostalgia play with a take on Ryu unleashing his signature move, and the beer itself pours a hazy, vibrant yellow. I'll post a photo including the can and the beer on Instagram at Props and Hops. When it comes to the aroma and flavor of Water Balloon Street Fighter, you get the fruit bouquet experience. Pineapple, mango, some grapefruit, plus a little bit of pine on the back end to remind you it is still a beer. When it comes to the mouthfeel, smooth, nice creamy body. Overall, Water Balloon Street Fighter is top notch. It's really fun, and I'll be cracking one tonight as the Heat and Lakers tip off, hopefully rooting in a Lakers championship. And speaking of rooting in games, let's break down what we're betting this weekend in the NFL. 60% of the time, it works every time. 
And there were lots of bets mentioned in the game rundowns. This is where I'll isolate the best of the best and add in some original analysis with this being my 10th year betting football and there have been some opportunities to collaborate with some of the sharpest minds in the game along the way. It's a tough card this week when we look at sides and totals, but a possible silver lining, this might be the best teaser week we're going to see all season. My favorite one, I texted with Adam about it last weekend, Cleveland plus 7.5, tied to New Orleans minus 2. When it comes to the Browns, the total of 47.5 is low by 2020 standards, and that increases the relative value of each point we get in teasing the Browns up through 7. I will note this line varies from book to book. I do like Cleveland enough to buy 6.5 points against the standard 6 points for a teaser if that's what it takes to cross up through seven with the Browns. With the Saints, Michael Thomas likely back in action, and we've got a major coaching mismatch with Sean Payton against Anthony Lynn. This is kind of in line with my bet last week on Tampa Bay as a teaser, with the Chargers being more likely to find a way to lose than find a way to win if it's late and close. And one more note on this one, if the Browns cover the first leg on Sunday, I'll bet the Chargers against the spread on Monday night for a middle. That Chargers ticket would be about 25% of the teaser amount, unlocking the Saints winning by 3-7 to seven as a win for both bets. I'm also on another teaser this week, the Panthers plus 7.5 tied with the Rams minus 1.5. Looking at Carolina, yeah, the high total of 53.5 reduces the relative value of each point we get in teasing them up, but the Falcons are beat up and they have minimal blowout potential. With the Rams, it's mostly a numbers play. They're the significantly better team in their game against Washington, and they just need to do little more than win outright. One more teaser I'm putting in play this week. It's a small one, but a fun one. A six-team, six-point teaser. I'm risking about 20% of a unit for a 7-to-1 payout. And the teams I'm looking at, Cleveland, New Orleans, Carolina, and the Rams, just like we've gone through already, plus Dallas minus 2, and Arizona minus 1.5. And And if you can't get the Browns up through 7, or if Arizona's unavailable, then I would suggest Pittsburgh minus 1, or Seattle minus one is contingency options. I mentioned the Cowboys is a preferred leg in this six-teamer, and that's because the Giants' defense is probably going to be outmatched, while the Giants' offense isn't fit to exploit a weak Dallas defense, plus the Cowboys are due for some positive turnover regression. And if we get the chance to work the Cardinals into this one, I'm following Drew's lead, fading Joe Flacco and the Jets in their current form. As far as the contingency options, Pittsburgh and Seattle minus one, those are mostly numbers plays that would be valuable. We've got the superior team in both cases, playing at home, needing to do little more than win outright. In addition to the teasers, we'll be putting the props in props and hops, Looking at Minnesota and Seattle, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. I like that up to minus 175. And it's going back to the well with this shortest touchdown prop. It's been consistently cashing so far this season, making it a meal ticket, as David Molinsky would have called it. We're still seeing record scoring in the NFL, and the market continues to adjust upward for totals. Meanwhile, the prop market is lagging even farther behind. So I really like this one with Seattle hosting Minnesota, marking the highest total on the Week 5 board. 57 points. That means we're likely to see more touchdowns, and that means we have a higher probability of seeing touchdowns from the one-yard line. Another prop I like this week, Jacksonville to score first at Houston. I like this one at plus 115 or better, and we should see it become available by Sunday morning. The Jaguars were one of just two teams in the NFL to elect to receive last week. I don't think that's built into the price, so it's a free roll if they do it again, or if Houston defers, as they tend to do, just like the overwhelming majority of teams in the league. And with a high total of 54.5, that increases the likelihood of scoring in each possession. We could get a quick result with this prop. 
One more bet to mention this week. It's a tentative week six look ahead. I hope it's not a bet we have the option to make, but if we get one more positive test from the Titans and their game against the Bills isn't played on Tuesday, then Buffalo Kansas City is back on for Thursday night football this coming week, and that would be a great spot for Buffalo. It might be a once in a lifetime spot, and I broke this down before I heard the dream preview touch on it, but there were some similar trains of thought. For Kansas City, it would be their second straight short week and their third game in 11 days, traveling to Buffalo while the Bills would be at home off a bye. At plus three and a half or plus three for the Bills, I like them against the spread. That would be a full bet at plus three and a half, slightly reduced amount, but still a go at plus three. And if we see the line come in from plus two and a half to one and a half, I like Buffalo as a teaser leg, with the Colts and Chargers jumping out initially as top candidates for that second teaser leg next Sunday. And just to be clear on the bet, if and when I'm able to get in play on Buffalo in Week 6 for a Thursday night game, I'll post the bet on Twitter, at MLandis18. Alright, and last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week, to slightly paraphrase the words of David Malinsky, it all comes down to grinding out small edges over time. This is a great quote for perspective after some good bets last week yielded some bad results. On this show, we took Jacksonville plus three, that line closed plus one, took the Jaguars on the money line plus 140, that closed even money, also took Miami plus six and a half, that closed as low as plus four, so that's a pretty good portfolio until you lose all three of those bets. I see a betting parallel here to a recent Malinsky minute showcasing Dave's game he liked to play. How much would you have bet if? Basically getting at unexpected things happen, manage your bankroll accordingly, and there are also some pertinent real-world applications of grinding out small edges over time. One example that comes to mind is the compound interest we see over the life of a 401k, or another example that comes to mind from some off-season reading I did, the book Atomic Habits, notes that if you get just 1% better at something every day, you might not notice a difference from day to day or week to week, but over the course of six months or a year, the difference will be remarkable. So in both betting and in life, let's dig for edges, let's attack them, but let's also accept advantageous positions won't always win. If it sounds like something's too good to be true, it probably is, and that's okay. Anything can happen in a sample size of one, but good process prevails in the long run. Alright, and that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. Now let's get out there and enjoy Week 5 in the NFL. I'll be back at it next Friday for Week 6, and until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Thank you.